Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Well, what are you all waiting for? The Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 602, Window of Opportunity, is brought to you by the Conglomerated Ministry of Shipping. It was worth a shot. Pete, here we are talking episode 602. Quick flashback to 601 in that we can now talk about the ratings for that episode. Had a 0.4 rating with 2.31 million live viewers. Uh, I know some people saw this and were concerned. It is on the lower end, but did a little digging. This is basically on par with seasons four and five. And that number, at least that uh, live viewer number, is actually above uh, maybe about 10, 15 episodes from seasons four and five. So we are right where we need to be to maintain. And that, of course, is in line with ABC wanting to maintain at least through this season and season seven. So, you know, if it's episode 708 and we're at the two million viewer mark, that might be suggesting the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after that season. But we have these 13. We have the next 13 not time to worry. Yeah, and I think the ratings become less consequential in the wake of that seventh season renewal, which, let's be honest, we have to look at at this point as the end that they've been given to probably went to the creators and said, what do you need? Where where can you end this? Um, this Is Us was just renewed for three seasons, Matt. Shades of Lost, no? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, too, it always comes down to dollars and cents. This is still on Friday nights, which has lower viewer expectations. ABC needs to put something on at the 8 o'clock hour and 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock hours. Although, I, I don't know, is 2020 still on? Yes. Uh, okay, it does. So they need something. They, they did a two-hour. Frequently, they will do now two-hour uh, specials. Well, I mean, again, bottom line, to look at where S.H.I.E.L.D. is, something's got to go there. And I think the bonus for Season 7 is this. I would imagine, and who knows with Hollywood accounting, but here's a fact. For this TV season, ABC is paying for 26 episodes, give or take. I don't know at what point the financial year flips over and things of that sort, but... You know, it'll be 26 episodes back to back. Fast forward to next season uh, on the schedule, they will have 13 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they don't need to pay for next season. So, again, some of that might be, you know, bar from Peter to pay Paul, but the money's already paid for. You know, worst case scenario, oh man, they're taking S.H.I.E.L.D. off the lineup. These episodes will end up somewhere. And bottom line, let's not freak out about the ratings we can report them each week we can talk about them but this is the most safe the show has ever been yeah which is ironic considering where we are in the show's chronology when we catch you up on what went down beginning here in the convenience store and the old sunglass rack Yes, Sarge sunglasses shopping. Uh, he also gets cleaning solution and motor oil. Snowflake picks out a pig mug. Uh, Jacko gets uh, a brain freeze from a slushy. And up front, why is the store so quiet? Pax is holding up that worker at the uh, at the checkout counter. It turns out, Matt, you can tell a lot about a world from its currency. This one 
using paper with faces on it. Look, are people concerned about Sarge and we've lost Colson and this and that, the other? I think people are feeling better after the end of this episode, but Clark Gregg is getting great lines, great acting moments out of this guy, and it's a fun twist that nobody would have seen coming. Uh, we also have Sarge saying to the worker, don't do anything dramatic, you're no hero. Uh, and Sarge fires the shotgun, then says it's time to vanish. Pax takes an Ohio roadmap. Pete, that's a reminder that we are in Ohio, and the crew hits the road in their big Because rig. the Cincinnati pig mug wasn't enough of a, of a hint. I, I must confess, Pete, I saw the word pig. I saw the picture of a pig. Didn't see the word Cincinnati. So I guess in this case, I did, you know, sarcasm aside, I did appreciate the reminder that we are in Ohio. Um, but once in that big rig... Sarge pulls the handle and the truck vanishes. I hope nobody, you know, plows into it at a red light or something like that. But we get taken to the title card. After the title card here, Mac is recapping the loss of Agent Fox here. He told Mac that he wanted to join S.H.I.E.L.D. because he wanted to protect people from nightmares. Jaros and Runco, Pete, some of our favorite next to no line characters this season they need to keep searching and keller however is tasked with looking through the footage pete that's because he's like a recurring guy versus jaros and runco i think are just kind of like highlighted extras regardless there's no intel on the man who looks like colson pete take us to the truck with the man who looks like colson driving yes it stops here in a uh, a shipping yard uh inside the truck we get some uh, expositional information. Jacko is uh, is hooked up to a respirator here, um, and Pax is a little bit jealous that he's hogging it. But apparently, Jacko has uh, been away from his home atmosphere for nine years. Handy exposition, doubly so. First of all, we get a sense of the. You know, the barest sense, but a sense nonetheless of the journey that these characters are on. Second, we also get a reminder that these are aliens because, Pete, many things going on wonderfully this season, but an overflowing of weirdo alien makeup, maybe less so. So they just show us he's an alien because he breathes weirdo air. That makes him alien. Yes, this while uh, Snowflake is cannibalizing Tinker's gear. Uh, the responsibilities that he was charged with now apparently falling to Pax. Um, but they talk about several times in this episode, they talk about this rock, you know, Earth, having it all better off than some of the other places we found out they've apparently been to throughout their uh, their spree together. They're also out of PEGs. Now, that, of course, will get explained later in the episode. I think that's also what Alex Rodriguez took, but I'll have to double check on that. <laughs> um, they, of course, uh, the extra PEGs were in Tinker's pockets. Now he's gone. Pax says that that's on Sarge, who let Snowflake get off on her mistake. Uh, she gutted a man. And Pete, in this scene, we're getting to know our, our diabolical uh, crew a little bit better. Getting to know what may or may not be Sarge is Benson, who's been checking out this information, wonders if it's an LMD. 
Um, but yeah, he, uh, he does not exactly think that uh, he's been told the truth here. I love that Benson as the outsider and the relative newcomer kind of name checks a bunch of past shield adventures as wild and crazy and barely believable. Uh, you mentioned LMD's Pete. He also mentions the mistake of inhumans. I know he was referring to inhumans on agents of shield, but the show Inhumans also kind of a mistake. Uh, meanwhile, in space, Fitz has Verlissa Jop, a.k.a. found it. And is he the sewage guy, Pete? And what's with the space snails? Well, he is an engineer like these other Sivian engineers here. He's reconnecting the compressor. The outtake is clear now. These viscous Xandarian snails causing problems. I thought at first, Matt, when he turned on the device there, that a banana peel had hit the uh, the window. Uh, that was apparently the the snail. So, I mean, that's not a knock on the visual effects. It's it's just what it looks like, and maybe what they used as a reference. Um, Have you ever that, thought that maybe banana peels look like zippa zappa snails? Maybe Xandarian uh, snails. You know, snails. from Xandar, the planet where uh, most of Guardians of the Galaxy takes place. But uh, regardless of their looks, Matt, uh, the taste unequaled. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, there is a question as to where is Fitz from again? And he says the north, really, really, really north, which uh, does not exactly ring true with one of the uh, co-workers there. He lives in, an, or he's from an irradiated wasteland. The story continues with Fitz, and uh, he ends up getting cornered and caught changing his eyes with the iriscope. What else is he hiding? Hey, Pete, behind that door, it's Enoch. Yes, and uh, yeah, that uh, Vero wouldn't let any Terrans onto his ship there. Time to give these two a better view of the stars. Wait a minute, Pete. That either means they have a 10 forward lounge or he's going to throw them out the airlock. Uh, given that we have the act break, I think it's the latter. We come back from the act break with Fitz saying that the ship is not going to uh, survive its next re-entry. That's because those uh, heat shields are misaligned. He, in fact, is more productive than anyone else. He's fixed the plumbing. He's fixed the piping. He's made the CO2 scrubbers more efficient. Uh, and that makes the snails reproduce more. Uh, Fitz throws in that he and Enoch will even work for free if allowed to stay. And uh, that does prick up Vero's ears there. If they can do both, he might let them stay. Yes, and uh, they're apparently ready to arrive at Narrow Atsia. In the shipping yard here, Matt, uh, Pax and Sarge talk about this nice, breathable air. Um, and Pax wonders why they don't take a breath here. Um, maybe take a load off, you know, like in your past life, Sarge. Sarge never took breaks. No, he won't talk about it. Shrouded mystery as it is. Their conversation gets interrupted by a security guard. Uh, it seems they can't talk their way out. So they shoot at him, miss terribly, and then suddenly disappear. With that, we head back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. May suggests Max spend some time with Keller, who has lost Fox, but Keller is off to Yo-Yo. 
there. We've touched in with a bunch of character stuff. We cut to Keller and Yo-Yo. He's looking through that footage. Fox grew up near Keller, and Yo-Yo is there if Keller needs it. Uh, this one of the instances in the episode where somebody says, essentially, wait, last episode you told me X, and now you're telling me differently. Here, Keller says to Yo-Yo that she was pushing him away last episode. Now she's there for him. And uh, she says, that was yesterday. This is today. And bleep bloop, Pete, there's been a sighting. Yes, uh, that outside Cincinnati here, uh, seen just before on the coffee mug, uh, that they have a new target that looks exactly like Colson. With the LMD theory not panning out, maybe he never died in the first place. Well, unfortunately, May is really, really sure of that. And here the show, I think, showing some very wise restraint that we did not need to see the final days of the ill Coulson. But, but wait, you know, if when... she was there and saw him die, he totally died, right? Uh, yes, unless there's some future flashbacks to be revealed. Um, well, we have a 100% match to a Philip J. Coulson. Yes, once all that other alien stuff is stripped away from it, 100% match to the DNA of Philip J. Coulson to end the act. And Pete, to give us hope, Pete, after that act break, inside the truck, we get some brum, metal guitar playing from Bear McCreary's score. Sarge is eating. Life is so rough. Sarge wants Jacko to keep an eye on Pax, maybe... Look for some replacements. With that, Snowflake arrives as Sarge paints a red hole on a piece of metal pushed up. This setting up a really fun bit in a little bit. Uh, and with that, it's time to lock in and rampage. But Pete, take us to space. Enoch explains that these Sibians are notoriously xenophobic. Um, and the discussion about returning fits to cryostasis you know, because the seer said they needed to prevent this extinction level event. And what one wonders whether we're talking about the one we've previously seen with the earth cracking in the future timeline or whether there's some other extinction level event coming. I think, Matt, prescient in all of our minds is the advertising for this season, which is done filming, not something we've had shield give us episode one before their past, like episode five or six in terms of filming telling us, Oh, the end of the world been there, done that before. Yeah. I've been a little surprised by the tone in their advertising, which essentially is like, Avengers Schmengers. So you saw whatever the end game were actually better, which don't get me long, wrong, Pete. I love me some shield to kind of sit and go toe to toe with end game. It's, it's an advertising choice and it's the choice that they made. Um, regardless though, Pete, Enoch and Fitz, whatever time path they are on, whether Fitz will be re cryo sized or whether he will, I don't know, maybe rejoin the main action with our heroes uh, in the next couple episodes. Uh, they are taken for what is somebody's meal time. It's actually Vero's meal time, as he puts something kind of gutsy in a blender. Maybe it's those snails. He sips on his juice, and Vero's happy to have had the help. 
Uh, Vera also realized that it was silly to pay workers when he's got two slaves. Enoch is a little slow here, not quite on the up and up, but Fitz understands that the crew is going to be ejected. Vera tells him to shut up. Yes, that they should just shut their mouths and be thankful. Um, and we head back to Benson, Matt. So, uh, new viewer, who was this Colson guy? Well, Pete, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to sit backwards on a chair here. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that uh, he looked out for people. He was somebody important to May. Max spells this all out. And Dr. Marcus Benson says he's there to help stop all these troubles. With that, cut to a Colson lookalike causing trouble, walking into the jewelry store. He's got all his charm on. Now, Pete, I don't know anything about jewelry store security, but I'm assuming that when you have a security guard standing by the door and three or four scraggly dressed people uh, come on in about 30 seconds apart and go to separate parts of the store, that's totally normal. Colson talks to Dana, the worker. He wants something Deny? special. Well, <laughs> later. <laughs> Donna. Um, but uh, Sarge wants to see some of the less pedantic items, maybe something from the vault. Again, Pete, I'm sure that's totally normal to have a man walking off the street and say, I would like to see in your vault. Um, however, at this point, when he admits there's going to be a robbery, he knows the worker is sizing him up. Uh, but he's going to be happy after he robs the place, and he tells her not to be heroic. We head to May and Yo-Yo, uh, who are catching up. How is Keller? They have this bond where they're able to talk about Yo-Yo's relationship, something Matt pointed out last week about the Bechdel test. Unfortunately, we're, we're still back to two ladies talking about a man. Um and not the man we'd hope they'd talk about in Coulson. Regardless, though, Pete, they're there in the junkyard with S.H.I.E.L.D., the SUV. And uh, they notice that some electronics have been taken by Sarge and company. And uh, then they get the call that the jewelry robbery is happening half a mile away. With that, back to the robbery uh, Dana, the worker, opens the vault. They all go inside. Rather surprisingly, Pax seems to space lock them in, or at least use a space gizmo. Uh, Colson sprays... Oh, Pete, my notes say Colson. Ah, how the heart does betray. <laughs> uh, all right, how, you got to put a quarter in the, in the jar here every time we slip. <laughs> S-A-R-G-E. Yep, absolutely. Um, Sarge sprays a red circle doorway shape on the wall and with that pax activates it and fun moment as we see that it's a portal great portal effects as it kind of morphs then all of a sudden uh jacko is on the other side what are you waiting for to end the act act four in space here matt and the other engineers are all in trouble it's fitz's fault and he's got to do something about it he's got a plan to go against vero uh, ready to step into the airlock himself. Yes, Enoch pointing out here, how can they fight against a superior force that has superior weapons, etc.? And uh, Enoch reminding everybody that he's not the fighting kind of Chronicom. Back to the jewelry store, S.H.I.E.L.D. is there to save the day. They find the, lo the vault locked. The perimeter, however, is sealed. Uh, who's in there, though? May sees five heat signatures. That's not adding up for us. 
Uh, but inside, they can't find the right kind of jewel. Can't Dana help them find PEGs? Pete, that's your piezoelectric gems that give a charge. Uh, around these parts, we call it quartz or topaz, and it gets kept in the bottom drawer. Finally, they found them. You know, not those worthless diamonds, Matt. They're not a girl's best friend. Um, Yo-Yo notes that the wall that they have on the perimeter there is two feet thick with steel and concrete. However, they are able to manipulate it. Um, May heads out. She sees the truck tracks. She throws dust into the air and is able to find the outline of the truck. In a moment that is preceded by the camera swirling around her hero style shades of that Michael Bay trademark swooping shot, but here uh, deployed by Kevin Tancherowen with a little bit more restraint. And if you start with Michael Bay, then restrain yourself. That's usually a good point to be at. Uh, back to the spaceship in space. Fitz is holding a space wrench. Vero does not need to fight, and uh, making more money might be more trouble than it's worth at this point. Uh, the engineers are put into the airlock, and Fitz is ready to join them. Vero notes that everyone is replaceable, and uh, Vero thinks that Fitz's woman will have to replace him. Sick burn to end the act. Act five, and Fitz is waiting here, uh, but they seem to have made... Uh, a smart choice. Enoch comes through. He's able to uh, airlock Vero and uh, save the day. R.I.P. Vero. We hardly knew you with your weird alien eyes and face tattoo. Um, this is a decision that had to be made, of course. And Fitz says, after all, he knows how uncompromising hateful men can be. Back to Sarge and company. Pax wants uh, them to take everything and knock, knock at the truck door. Uh, he assumes it's one of our, well, one of their friends, but instead it's May with a knuckle sandwich. She fights well. All of a sudden, Jacko is there. Uh, then, of course, through the portal, but back at the jewelry store, the two being connected. Uh, will Snowflake kill the worker? And Pete, I just want to point out, cool moment that they built at least part of the truck set in the adjoining wall to the uh, vault set. So you can get some of those non visual effects shots of just people walking through and things like that. It was a really great use of just a simple trick. Right. We get uh, May and Jacko. Uh, Colson is uh, fooling around with this device uh, heads outside with it. Then we have uh, snowflake and Jacko tangling with May uh, that when Colson comes back, he's shocked that the two of them are tangling with her. You know, he leaves for three minutes and the plan goes all to hell. What's great about this fight in particular is obviously Jacko is huge. And regardless of May's fighting skill, you know, a punch to her arm would break her arm, that sort of thing. And they choreograph the fight in a way where his blow comes down and she rolls out of the way or she you know, kicks him in the shins or whatever it is, you buy the size differential because she's fighting smarter, not necessarily harder. Also a smart move, Pete, is when this whole fight is going on, Jacko and Snowflake uh, fiddle with the metal 
door, if you will, holding up the truck end of the portal, has it fall, and it's just, again, a fun use of that kind of effects gag. How did May get in there, Matt? Well, she lost. Uh, with that, the truck pulls away. Jacko notes that Sarge froze. What does coal sun mean? It does seem to ring a bell. Back at headquarters, Dr. Marcus Benson is pouring a drink, not for himself, for Mac. These aliens might have advanced tech, which is alarming, but worse is a video of Sarge and company destroying a world to end the act. Our tag features Fitz and Enoch here on approach to narrow Atsai, uh, water dripping. Uh, they're safe here, uh, but is it safe? For them down there, it's going to be a challenge to conceal a murdered controller. There's talk of Planet Kitson as well. But the plan is to get Fitz back into cryo sleep so he can join Gemmet in the future. He's got time. So, Pete, the decision has been made for Enoch and Fitz to keep on warping. They warp away just as Zephyr 1 arrives. Uh, this is, of course, Pete showing us that technically the whole Fitz story took place parallel to episode 601 and not really in the same chronology as this episode, but who cares? On Zephyr 1, uh, uh, Quake is shocked. What did Simmons do? Simmons says that she can feel Fitz is here. And always there for us, Matt, in addition to the wonderful Elizabeth Henstridge, are are perhaps even more wonderful are butterflies patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes so proud as we podcast this episode of shield in a timely manner and try and get all our stuff out there to the eager listeners so proud to be listener supported with the behind the scenes costs the storage the bandwidth the bleeps the bloops etc and uh, our thanks, as always, to everyone who has gone to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek and is helping lend a hand. With this one of just 18 podcasts that we now have after the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek was approved by iTunes earlier this week, uh, certainly a lot of costs. And we are so happy and proud to be 100% listener supported. So thanks again. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with Sarge, the baddest bad guy, the guy who makes our heart break each time we see him. So not Colson. I don't even know why they're using that other character's name, Matt, despite a 100% match, despite May having seen him die, despite dr benson not even knowing who this person was i mean mysteries abound here with sarge and i think that i think that the surprise reveal quote unquote at the end of 601 which of course had been spoiled by advertising um the, from that surprise reveal to in this episode pretty darn quickly establishing that we are on a trajectory to get to know this guy's past, get to know how he is connected to our Colson. And I would anticipate resolve the missing dead Colson in the MCU kind of resolve that to some degree, uh, before the season is over. Uh, 
the the place that Sarge has in this season long story to me is now more clear than it was last week. He likes his sunglasses. He's a man of mystery. I mean, let's be honest. I think we all know which way this is going. We will redeem Sarge. Uh, he will reconnect with May. This 100% match will be explored and explained, but let's let it play out over these remaining 11 episodes. How about Snowflake, Matt? I think that what is being asked from the character is kind of a two-dimensional craziness, you know, this the sweet crazy lady who kills and whatnot, and Snowflake delivers in every regard there. This is a fun combination of you know, kind of second tier underlings. And I don't know, I dig the energy that she brings and this contrast of this sweet knowledge that you all be a butterfly. And she's clearly an insane killer who likes to knife people. Right. How does she, you know, get them to morph the, the cocoon, if you will, the metaphor of the butterfly? Well, she she murders people because that's the agent of change. So an, an interesting dichotomy there out of somebody you wouldn't necessarily suspect is dangerous, which makes Jacko the giant all the more interesting. Jacko, played by Winston J. Francis, who goes by the social media name Seven Foot Actor, because <laughs> he is. And I had that in the back of my head during uh, during that fight with May, where it's like, you're not getting a stunt guy for this guy. He needs to do this fight for real. So are there occasional moments where he's maybe a little slow on the punch or whatever? Yeah, he's a seven foot tall guy whether you want to say jacko the character or mr francis the actor and i think it all it all just makes sense i'd much rather have him versus like you know a shot that looks uh looks like it's not him and i'll add to it there's a certain warmth that winston francis brings to jacko that isn't part of the character but is part of his performance and it's he's a fun character as well yeah you know the, not the gentle giant but not somebody as a big dude that we fear so much you mentioned seven foot tall actors matt i mean the the mountain perhaps uh after everything we went through with the game of thrones in the last week with their uh series finale tomorrow night as we're podcasting on saturday morning uh may 18th uh perhaps at some point some crossover of seven foot actors from around the world in some sort of uh may, maybe that's the future pete of season seven we get we get jacko we get the mountain we get it all who knows the giant bowl the giant bowl indeed um we also have the Sivians as a race of villains performing villainous actions in this episode in space and that's all i got for them <laughs> uh well then there's vero who's the space boss of ship so he also has a face tattoo and green eyes so you know he's an alien i got kind of a force awakens uh irish actor vibe out of that guy uh you know the the guavian death gang um perhaps uh inspiration perhaps just vague uh recollection welcome to level seven time to analyze and theorize matt all this 
alien stuff. Jacko uh, having the need to breathe an alien atmosphere that he's been away from for nine years. The talk of Sarge going planet to planet, even a planet amongst the other uh, alien uh, species we encounter the Sivians talking about Xandar. I, I thought season five was the was the space season. I think they're carrying over from that. I think probably budget is a factor. Although if you're going to bring uh, kind of remnants of the alien storyline back to Earth outside the lighthouse set in the sunshine at times, I continue to enjoy this season though we have only had the two episodes i kind of i'm enjoying this season more than the average episode from season five whatever that average might be i think because there is just that extra room to breathe and it's not constantly indoors i mean if you think about it pete if we went back and looked with a really discriminating eye you know all the whole rock crushing operation at the beginning of season five that's probably the exact same set as Vero's ship and things of that sort. But that's TV. I'm okay with it. I'm having more fun now than I was for parts of last season. So, sure, bring on the aliens that come to Earth and there's other aliens out there in space. Very clearly delineated A pot, plot and B plot until we bring them all together in what I would guess is maybe episode 608. Matt, it's time to do my favorite segment of... Uh season six for the agents of shield podcast by fantastic geek. And though this is our level seven segment, we discuss theories. It's time for the sub segment that I like to call where's Deke. Where is Deke? You're absolutely right. It's another episode. I know that uh, one of the writers was on Twitter saying, you know, you should be wondering that. Don't worry. You'll find out. Um, I, I, I like the added tension given to we, the audience, that we are wondering where he is. Meanwhile, there's all this other busy story stuff and people aren't necessarily, you know, mourning his loss or his lack of presence. I know there's some of the timey-wimey stuff, of course. Um, maybe Back to the Future style, like when Fitz and Simmons get reunited, we're going to hear Earth Angels swell in the soundtrack <laughs> and he, Deke will all of a sudden disappear and look down and be like, I'm... I'm back. Thanks so much, Grandma and Grandpa. Um, well, let me let me propose something super off the wall, Matt. But are we seeing Deke and just don't realize we're seeing Deke? In what regard is Deke wearing a Jacko suit, or is he wearing a Keller mask? You know, Keller, who's totally been there for ten years, and you know, went to the same schools as. Fox, or maybe even those other guys, Runko and other guy whose name I don't remember, whose name gets mentioned once by Mac. Is he maybe like, you know, embedded? Because as the child of two currently uh, living people, although one not yet found because this season is the search for Fitz, uh, would that blow minds and precipitate another discussion with Dr. Benson, this after a man who is dead is apparently walking around, but an alien. Well, a lot to unpack there. First of all, do I think that Deke is wearing a Keller mask? No. Second, 
Question for you, Pete. Do you think that Keller and Jaros and Runko and Fox have all been with S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time? I know we got some of the stuff of, oh, Keller grew up near Fox. I guess I was assuming that these are all some of those fairly recent recruits, you know, in the last year as S.H.I.E.L.D. has gotten up off its, uh, you know, up, up off the ground. I'm not sure. I want to believe that S.H.I.E.L.D. continued in some kind of capacity, maybe again, not out in the open, um, you know, faceless uh, hordes elsewhere, you know, definitely not doing Hydra welding in uh, warehouses. I mean, that is a Hydra thing only. We have, you know, patented that. Um, but, you know, perhaps maybe, you know, doing some like wrench work. Uh I think either or both are suitable answers. Clearly, episode 601 dealt with the notion of an infusion into S.H.I.E.L.D. and why there's now more people around. And it implied that somehow S.H.I.E.L.D. being the shadows has been resolved because there they are driving around in S.H.I.E.L.D. the sedan and S.H.I.E.L.D. the SUV. Uh, This show, if nothing else, this show knows when to just cut the past in the past and look forward and not look back in the best Don Draper style. So, you know, again, do I expect one of some of these lower tier characters to produce a Deke connection? Probably not, but who knows? Hashtag where's Deke? Also, Pete, want to point out, you said you want to believe this is an episode that talks about Agent Fox, Fox Mulder, X-Files. Not quite <laughs> sure where it's all headed. Just want to say it somehow is in the air. Well, in that vein, Matt, could May have been around Coulson uh, as he died, and yet he could still not be dead? I think no, which therefore makes it yes, because I tend to be 180 degrees wrong. But I think what the show is doing is just saving us the visual of a long uh, painful, slow death of somebody with a terminal illness. That's not the flavor of this show. Um, I think we're going to get, on the topic of his death, I think we're going to get tell, not show. However, could they be saving a nugget where May has been sworn to secrecy that a- as Colson was taking his last gasps, that's when there was the glowing light or there was the special deke from the future message with anti-death venom to give or some twist like that sure absolutely i just am not betting on it we had all the seer stuff in the uh middle to later end of season five uh comes up here is this extinction level event mentioned earlier? Is this the stuff connected with Robin that she foretold or is this completely different end of the world stuff? I think that Enoch still believes he is on that season five timeline and I do not anticipate any crisscrossing with Endgame asterisk. They must have had a sense making this season that there was the possibility of rolling over to the season seven before contracts ran out, et cetera, et cetera. Just from a business end, that kind of, that must've been in the air. So is it possible that they were setting up stuff for when they found out about Endgame? Maybe here's the problem. 
they started filming season seven in, I believe, January. Uh, so most of season seven has been done with by the time the world finds out about Endgame. So if we're setting up a super long game into the next season and Enoch saying, uh, the one extinction level event has become the other, time is so curious. We could, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility, 26 episodes in one year versus 22. It's not that much more. It's not that much more kind of plotting. I just don't think that's the flavor of this show that tends to be a little leaner, a little meaner, and a little shorter in those story arcs. Let's check the wire. Pete, we start having heard from a fresh-faced young man by the name of Mark Kolpak. That's right, the VFX supervisor for the show. I had tweeted at him, all right, these aren't really VFX, right? Y'all just used some Disney money to send actual spaceships into space and you filmed those ships for real, right? And he did the quote tweet, which is the most generous way to reply. And he said, nailed it. So uh, breaking news, Pete, agents in space for real or just fantastic effects. This as talk of uh, reigniting uh, our manned space program uh, real science people will know that we have not sent our own astronauts to space since the space shuttle program has been, uh, you know, kind of pushed to the side waiting for that next generation of space vehicles. So, you know, here, here's my thought. Let's get Mark Kolpak on that and, and get our, uh, our astronauts back into space. Sounds fantastic to me. We also ran a Twitter poll uh, wanting people to share their thoughts. Uh, there were 6% who voted one star, Quartz and Topaz. 7% who voted two stars, Here's a Drink. 20% said three stars, Vault Portal, Wow. And 67% gave it four stars, 100% match. Uh, not as high a voting, you know, towards 100%, uh, rather towards uh, four stars as last time, but uh, enthusiasm nonetheless. They're not all going to be home runs. And I think we could both agree that the season premiere episode was a little bit stronger than this second effort. There's going to be peaks and valleys, but at the same time, that's why the season seven renewal in hand, I think those ratings become at least less essential right now. This show has its audience and its audience generally feels confident in the show. We also had some Twitter uh, replies to the poll. Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Polo 1983, said, I think we are dealing with alternate realities. He's Coulson from another dimension slash reality. Pete, though I have voted against that theory, I think Andre, I think it's a very sensible theory to have, and I applaud Andre for it. Do perhaps memories of uh, one lifetime in one reality uh, transfer to another. I mean, it's not as if Matt, we just saw a three hour and two minute movie that was the culmination of a 22 movie story in which one character suddenly uploaded onto space internet and accessed the memories of another version of herself. Well, I would bet that, we are headed towards something like that. Uh, maybe not this season. I, I think we're going to get episode 613, the tag scene, 
we get kind of uh you know bear mccreary channeling alien music kind of you know alien the movie kind of that like you know somewhat hopeful somewhat mysterious plucking strings and then the bleeps and the bloops finish and sarge looks over and says may in that sweet colson voice to end the season well we'll be back next season etc etc um time will tell pete back to a couple comments here uh at ml huber writes says this may end up being one of my all-time favorites it's got everything i like one a solo may fight two clark greg being a badass three fitz being snarky fitz four weird plot details five tahiti mentions and six shiny things very very shiny things and uh, alicia fleming uh, at Felinda underscore AOS agrees, saying, I absolutely loved this episode. Uh, great catch here, Pete, from Samantha Rusk. That's at Ms. Samantha 85. Colson would not have ignored the cap shield behind the clerk. This in the robbery scene and kind of above the clerk's shoulder. Sure enough, she included a screenshot. It's cap shield and a uh, little discussion between her and ML Huber writes as to whether this is Colson or not. We have the third or fourth Alt Colson, uh, ML Huber writes, mentions. And uh, on the topic of our poll, Amerowitch says, I almost voted two stars because I had a drink tonight. Wine. Pete, gotta, gotta unload after a long week. Have a little sippy sip. Have some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. To Facebook, Matt, where Robert T. Frost writes in, Matt and Pete, it's fantastic. And he spelled it with the PH to be back with AOS after so long. It's like finally sitting down at the old family table with a plate of grandma's potato pancakes or a spread of mom's Sunday chicken dinner. It feels warm and comforting and satisfying. It feels like home. Does director Mac have Fury's original toolbox that was left for Colson? I wonder what secrets and tidbits are still lying within just waiting to be discovered. Or would the secrets even be relevant anymore? I really liked meeting Agent Fox, a new agent feeling his way into the organization, but already has outside the box information for the team to investigate. I really, really loved that even though he was stunned and dazed, he was able to take action at the confrontation at the Museum of Natural History and took Snowflake into custody. And even though he was shot by Sarge, I don't think he's dead because as he was shot, the closed captioning showed ICER discharges. What happened to Gemma's pregnancy? We were given some not-too-subtle hints at the end of Season 5 that she was with child. I know it's only the first episode, but if she had given birth or lost the child, I would have expected some acknowledgement. Maybe she wasn't pregnant, and that's why we didn't see Deke? Or was she, and that's why the look and heavy emphasis about Davis's baby? This was a great first episode that gave us some great questions for the season. Way too many to write about now. So until next time, your friend, Bob. I think Bob points out some great things, including the notion that there might be things here or there in terms of, oh, the budget or a particular storyline that we might not always love about S.H.I.E.L.D., but we're, we're in as deep as we are, 100 
1200 13 episodes at this point and it's all family it's all you know if there's a little quibble it's minor indeed and it's just familiar and enjoyable to be back with agents of shield as for the topic of the pregnancy i must confess pete in this time off from the show that particular detail had slipped away from my mind surely it mustn't have slipped away from the show and regardless of whatever uh, outcome that that pregnancy could have taken i would hope that some kind of reference is made whether it's in the positive or the negative it's easy enough to address it at the at the due course of course for the characters it's been a year so the the answer to that question has already been dealt with for them but hopefully we'll find out well we know it won't be back to the future rules or that it will be <laughs> indeed uh, always in motion the future is and sometimes with differing rules of time travel how can people be like Robert T. Frost? Be in touch with you, Pete. Let's start with Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,000, 465 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, like Bob correctly spelled it. All one word, like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back in the next day or two to talk Cloak and Dagger. Then, barring any surprise announcements from any of the areas in which we podcast, the next time we'll be back, we'll be back talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, here on this very feed so whether you're listening on the pop culture podcast feed or the shield feed can't wait to talk more shield with you with that pete i will say in the alien tongue from this episode and give you the final word let's vanish <laughs>